Well, we are in a series called Relationships Last a Lifetime. Relationships Last a Lifetime. And I am just so thrilled and excited about this series that we're in uh, now about relationships. Why? Because relationships affect all of us, don't they? Every last one of us are affected by relationships. And so when we talk about relationships, we've got to talk about the right starting place. My definition for relationships so that we're on the same page as we go through this series is relationships are multifaceted connections, multifaceted connections between people of all ages, come on, in all places for all of life that bring fulfillment and enhance our destiny, helping us live a full and satisfying life. That's what relationships are. That's what they're meant to be for us. Now, all relationships do not turn out that way, do they? And we do have multifaceted connections between all people of all ages and uh, all places, but all of them don't bring fulfillment, do they? All right, all of them don't enhance our destiny and all of our relationships don't help us to feel, to live a full and satisfying life. But despite that, this is what God created relationships for. Okay? All of us will have what I'm talking about. You can have good, bad, indifferent, different, strange, estranged, committed to relationships, deep, shallow, relationships of all kinds you'll have in your life. You're going to experience relationships. Hopefully those relationships, or most of them, will be fulfilling to you. Do you know that there are people in your life that actually are put there to help you fulfill your destiny? In other words, the purpose that you were created for, it's difficult to actually accomplish that purpose without some of the people and some of the things you go through with those people in your life. And so those people are put there to help you accomplish that. Now, some of them, it's kind of difficult to understand how that person was put in my life to help me accomplish what I would accomplish. But how many know when you accomplish some things, you look back and you say, boy, without that person being there, without that hill to climb, come on, I would not have made it to where I am today, nor would I appreciate it. So in our first message, we talked about the right starting place. And this verse here in Matthew, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 22. This verse here will actually give us the first three messages of this series. Last week, this week, and then next week. Why? Because it's from the expert who is Jesus. The Bible would be our guidebook. That's the wisdom of God, the principles of God. It's divinely inspired. So when I listen to Jesus and when I read his words and I read the scriptures, I have a twofold witness to what relationships are meant to be. When I have the words of Jesus, I read them and then when I can also see the life that Jesus lived and how he dealt with relationships. And so when I put them all together, I have a good package, come on, of how to be a good relator and how to build relationships. Here's what Jesus said. He's replying to some Pharisees. In fact, one Pharisee in particular who was a lawyer. You see, this is a time where Jesus had just 
talk to the Sadducees because they didn't believe in resurrection. And so they tried to come and trick Jesus. And they said, all right, Jesus, you believe you're talking about this resurrection. So listen, uh, uh, in the law, it says that if uh, a man dies, then his brother should take that woman. Right. And then uh, be with her uh, and have children in honor of his brother uh, like that. And so what happens if a man dies and, and, and the brother marries the, the, the woman and then he dies and another brother marries on like that in the resurrection? Who's she going to be married to? Well, Jesus just uh, dispelled that and said, boy, you you have some bad theology. Your theology is a little flawed, my brother, because in the resurrection, no one will be given in marriage, nor will no one be married. All right. It's going to be all about our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with each other. Stop trying to trick me and understand what God wants you to do. And so he dispelled the Sadducees and the Pharisees saw this. So then one of them who was a lawyer came and said, "Okay, you dispelled the Sadducees. I have a question for you. What is the greatest commandment? All right, there's ten commandments. Which one of those is the greatest? Thinking that they had him in a trick bag. Come on. Well, Jesus didn't quote any of the ten commandments out of Exodus, did he? He always comes from a different way. Bible says Jesus said to him in chapter 22, verse 37, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with pieces of your heart, How much of your heart? All of your heart. That's all of your passion is what that is. So your passion has to go toward God. With all of your soul and with all of your mind. In other words, all of your intelligence, all of your knowledge must be submitted to God. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as your Self. Jesus is saying here to me that your relationship with the Father, your relationship with God helps to form all other relationships to everyone else. You see, if this relationship is not right, it's going to make it very difficult for any of these relationships. And I mean any of them. I'm talking about spouse, brother. Mother, best friend, any of these relationships are going to be very difficult to navigate. Why? Because the initial relationship that you're supposed to have with God, who is love, which is the center, is not right. And if that relationship is not right, come on. If the vertical problem is is flawed, all of your other relationships will be flawed. Because in this relationship, the one with the Lord You learn that things are absolutely essential for relationships to be successful. And you learn what those things are. Things like mercy. Things like forgiveness and compassion. Things like acceptance. Come on. You learn things like unconditional love and encouragement. You learn all of these things. And so when you accept God and when you come to God as your father, you are my father, God, you begin to experience a wholeness of soul and a wholeness of spirit. A whole person will be much more successful in a relationship than will a broken person be. Come on, how many can say amen to that? 
a whole person will be much more successful. So why is this relationship so important? Why did we talk about the first and most important relationship last week? Because God gets you to open up. And when you open up, you begin to receive mercy, hope, wholeness, intimacy. You begin to understand what those things mean. And this now will help you relate to people. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to people. Your relationship with the Father has so much to do with your relationships to people. And then you must know how to love yourself. Now, this is what we're going to talk about today. You must know how to love yourself, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, I know when I say love yourself and when I say it's important to love yourself in order to really understand how to love others as well, that seems a little contrary to Christianity because Jesus tells us love God first, put others before yourself, and that is absolutely true. But here's what I want to establish with you. God, we know that God must be first in our life. He must be first. God's love comes first. But here's the thing. Let's just get this established, right? Let's just put our feet on top of it. Let's get it under us that God is perfect love. He loves you. He has dispersed and distributed his love. He has proved it on the cross and not only on the cross, but time and time again with an everlasting forgiveness. God knows how to love and he's shown us his love. So that is there. Okay. We understand that God's love is there. Even when we turn and leave God, should we come back to him? Guess what? His love is there. He's standing on the side of the road waiting for us to come back home. Not so he can chastise us, not so he can make us a servant, but so that he can kill the fatted calf, make a feast, put the ring back on your finger, give you a robe and say, welcome home. You're still part of the family. That's the love that God has for you. It's established. We know that. We don't have to work on God's love for us. We need to work on our love and how we relate. And so thereby we have to turn internally and see, do we love ourselves? Do we know who we are? Because if you don't understand and know who you are, and if you don't love that, you'll never feel worthy to love God. Because you'll have a flawed, as you see, you'll have a flawed outlook on yourself. If there's nothing in your core, nothing in your center, if you can't find love for yourself, wholeness for yourself, you will have a horrible time loving someone else. Don't wait for someone else to come and make you whole. Because now you have broken with broken, you have flawed with flawed, and you have a total mess. If you are the person that's waiting, come on now, on someone to come, and you're not already altogether whole, maybe God is saying, look, you need to look at yourself, establish your relationship with me, and let's make this thing right. Because right now I'm already preparing someone else for you, and they're doing the same thing. And then when you both are ready at 100%, not half, and have to come together to make a whole. That's man's mathematics and man's knowledge. And it makes, it makes earthly sense. 
But in the kingdom, it's a little bit different. You see, a hundred plus a hundred make a whole in the kingdom of God. Come on. We know some things are different in the kingdom. A hundred plus a hundred make a whole. Now, we don't want to bring 99 to the table and 96 to the table because anything short of 100 is still a mess. It really is. It really is. Now, when we look at this verse of Scripture, there are three views that I was able to extrapolate from this simple passage of Scripture. Three views. The first view is this, is God's view of you, which is, by the way, 100% accurate. The way that God views you, the way that he knows you is 100% and altogether accurate. No flaws in it. Should he say anything about you, it is altogether true. And so that's why we must start with a personal decision to anchor our life in God. Learn how to love yourself the way God wants to love you. Because if you don't anchor yourself in him, you'll never find how to love. You'll never find it. Everything else is flawed. Everything. Jesus said, I am the truth. The way. Not a way. Not a type of truth. You know, me, Buddha, Mother Teresa, Muhammad, all of us are part of a truth. No. No, 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 no. See, this is, this is one of the things... I, I was talking to my wife, I was talking to my daughter about Christian movies that are out. Now, I'm not going to get on a soapbox and rant and rave about this, but uh, I, I do. I like watching some Christian movies. Some don't really thrill me all that much. I mean, it's just a movie, you know, it's entertainment. Uh, I mean, I liked The Passion of the Christ. I know there's been a few movies out lately. Uh, there's another movie out now with Nicolas Cage. They're doing the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the rapture type of thing over, left behind, uh, out. And all those are, are, are good movies, and they can be very good evangelistic movies. Here's, here's the problem I had, um, or I have, with some of the Christian movies, is that Hollywood's view, and even other Christians' view of Christians, is a little bit flawed, my brother and my sister. You see, sometimes we portray Christians as weak, sappy, I just go to school and I can't say anything and I'm going through suffering coming up the rough side of the mountain and I'm always persecuted and people are talking about me and that's the way to be a good Christian so that we can feel good at the end when they overcome and somebody says, oh, leave him alone and that person's just down and out. Guess what? That's not altogether Christianity. Jesus took all of that. He went through all of that. Now, I'm not talking about you go and get into fights. No, you know I'm not saying that. But guess what? You are not a weakling. Come on. You are not weak. I'm talking about the real you. You're not weak. And you don't have to put up with the devil's mess. You have the word of God. You have it in your hand and you have it in your heart. Thereby, you have it in your mouth. All you need to do is speak the word of God in every situation and you'll overcome. Come on, you have the armor of God. You have the helmet of salvation. Your feet are shod with peace. You have the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, what can hurt you? If God be for you, who who can be against you? 
This is the problem I have sometimes. We're not weaklings. Stop acting like that. We need to understand who we are in Christ. Come on, this wasn't part of the message, but I just believe the Holy Spirit's telling somebody that today. You are altogether adequate with the Holy Spirit in you. You can do it. You're, you're, and let me, tell you, let me tell you this. You're not going to overcome. You are an overcomer. In fact, if the truth be told, you're more than a conqueror. Come on, you are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. And so this is why we must have our life anchored in God because everybody else's view is flawed. If If it's not initiated and originated by the Holy Spirit, it is flawed. Altogether flawed. Now, by the way, it's okay if we want to do some, I'm not, I'm not against that. I'm not down on those things. I'm just saying I'm not going to use that as my doctrine. It just, it becomes entertainment to me. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. I love entertainment. Come on. Who doesn't love entertainment? But we have to know that when we are looking for doctrine, when we are looking for something to put our feet on, we need this word of God. The unadulterated word of God in us. Come on. And so God's view of you is not flawed. It's 100% accurate. God knows everything there is to know about you. He does not miss anything about us. God knows the most intimate details about us. He knows when I failed last week. He knows what I did 20 years ago that I've already forgotten about. He doesn't hold it against me. I'm just saying he knows and still loves you. That's my point. He's been through it. He's seen what you're going to do next week. And guess what? Here's what will just bake your noodle. God's already seen how you're going to fall short. I'm not, I'm not prophesying. I'm not confessing falling short. But I'm saying God's already seen any future mistakes that you might make. And he loves you now. He still loves you. How many of us would know that Brother Mike was going to make a mistake and offend them next week and still say today, guess what, I love you. I know it's coming, and I love you. This is the Savior that you serve. This is the God that you serve. He already knows everything about you, and he still loves you. Tell me you're not an overcomer. Who can be against you? Who can come against you? God knows everything. And then the second view is there are others' views about you. Come on. Now, others don't know me perfectly. They're inaccurate. They're inaccurate. They may think they know me, come on, but they don't know me. They may think they can interpret me, but they don't know what was behind uh, the reasoning behind that situation that I was in. They don't altogether know the motivation for me saying what I said or doing what I did or this relationship or whatever it is. They don't altogether know the whole backdrop. They might think I'm doing this for one reason, but they don't see what's behind it. Come on. They don't know me totally. Their interpretation will always be inaccurate. I'm talking about your best friend. I'm talking about even your spouse. Come on. That's why it takes a lifetime of being together to know each other. A lifetime. Come on, it's inaccurate. Not even your best friend will know 
100% about you. Not like God. God is the only one that has that. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing about our friends and about people. This is what we do. This is what I want to warn you against and warn myself against. Is we value others' opinions about us. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but we, but, but it's, it's, it's how much we value them. We value others' opinions about us so much so until it begins to change our own opinion about ourselves, And then we begin to act and speak like someone we, we are, are not even that person. Yet because of others' views about us, because of what others have said about us, we begin performing and doing those things that the other people told us. That's why it's so important what we tell our kids. Come on. Listen, you ever had a parent or seen a parent just tell their children, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're no good, you're not going to be anything when you grow up, uh, or just something negative? Or you ever had someone else, one of your friends, tell you you're a bad parent, or you heard somebody tell someone else they're a bad parent? Well, I want to tell you this morning that's not true. Only what God says about you is true. Now, you may have failed. You may have fallen short. Come on. But that's not who you are. Just because you fell short doesn't make that who you are. All we need to do, I'll tell you time and time again, is start acting like who we already are. Maybe we're not acting like it right now. I know there have been times when I haven't acted altogether like who I really am. But instead of falling into that rut, instead of getting stuck in that thing, telling my own self, I'll never be anybody. I'm listening to others who will tell me I'll never be anybody. I see TV and I see society and basing everything on that. I go to the word of God and God says, guess what? You're already somebody. Just start acting like it. Come repent. Wash that thing off. Do like we prayed this morning. Say like David, Lord, search me. Know me. See all those things in me that are not like you. Remove it. And guess what? He'll do it. He will do it. He'll remove all those things in you that are not like him. In fact, when you give your life to the Lord, when you follow what Paul told the Romans to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he rose again, that he's a son of God and he rose again on the third day. God then creates something that has never been before. There's something brand new there, something that was where a seed was there waiting for God to come and say, wake up, awake to righteousness and you will sin not. Don't try to not sin. Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Stop trying to not sin. Awake to righteousness. Understand who you are, because when you know who you are, then you start walking in that thing. Know who you are. And then, fortunately or unfortunately, there's others' view of me. And then, lastly, there's your view of yourself, which is also very inaccurate. Not even you know you like God knows you. Come on, you might not believe that. You may not believe it, but it is altogether true. You don't even know yourself like God knows you. You know what you would do in most situations. You know, you may know yourself pretty well. If there were this situation, I, I would do this. If there were this situation, I would do this. But guess what? Sometimes a situation comes up and you thought you would do one thing, and guess what? You do something different. Never happened to anyone else, only me. 
where you've looked back and said, boy, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I react? I didn't think I would react that way. I thought I would react differently. I thought I would do something different. I thought I would say something different, but I didn't. Why is that? It's because you don't even know yourself the way God knows you. In order to love God properly, we must anchor ourselves in him and we must learn how to love ourselves. We must learn how to love, our, love ourselves. Here's some quotes. One guy said, my therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So for today, I have finished two bags of M&Ms and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. (laughs) That's called loving yourself. No. (laughs) Listen, I'm not talking about loving the flesh man. All right. I'm not talking about loving the fallen man. Hear what I'm saying when I say you, when you give your life to the Lord, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Something has awakened within you, a new spirit. I like, I like the way Pastor Lou used to say we could, you know, the world would call us schizophrenic because there's really two of us. You know, there's the, there's the new man and then there's the old man. Come on. The question for us is which one will you feed? Will you feed that new man with scripture or will you feed that old man with the filth of the world? Come on. Another quote. This is from a great prophet, Dr. Seuss. He says, today you are you. That is truer than true. There was no one alive who is youer than you. (laughs) Guess what? You're the only you that you've got. And so if you don't learn how to love yourself, how do you think anyone else is going to love you? God loves you, but you won't interpret that love. If you don't love yourself, you won't even understand that God loves you because you'll feel inadequate. Your perception of yourself and the view of yourself will be so bad. There's another one from uh, this one really struck me from Sabrina Ward Harrison. She said, I am afraid to show you who I really am, because if I show you who I really am, you might not like it. And that's all I got. If I show you who I really am, you might not like it. And that's all I got. You want to know a real friend? A true friend? I'm talking about whether it's a spouse, because you can have a spouse and not be good friends. Spouse should be your best friend above all others except God. A true friend is one that's going to be there no matter what. There are some people in your life that are for a season and when the wind blows they're like a branch on a tree. They break and leave. There's some people in your life that are like roots and it begins with the Lord. No matter what happens, no matter how they're offended, no matter what you say or do, cut your hair, gain weight, they still love you. But it must start with God because he's the only one that is truer than true, although you are the only you. No one else can love you like God. And then no one else can love you like you. So we must be able to love 
and relate to ourselves, folks. We have to be able to do it. Now I refer back to my example on the airlines. You know, we always have to think of others first. But do you know they, they give us a real good example in that they say if the air, airline or airplane loses cabin pressure and the, and, the, and the oxygen masks come down, what are you supposed to do? Anybody know? Anybody fly? That's right. Do yourself first so that you'll be able to help someone else. So here's where we are. Now, if you don't know the Lord, you've got to take care of yourself first. How are you going to witness? How are you going to love someone else? How are you going to be in a relation? How are you going to be in a marriage relationship? Anybody know what it takes to be in a marriage relationship? To be in a, a best friend for life relationship even? Not even marriage. It's just best to have a best. You know what it takes to have a best friend and to be best friends for life? You know what that takes? That takes some sacrifice. That takes some laying down of your life. That takes some being offended and getting over it. That takes some, they offended me, didn't realize it, and never even repented, said I'm sorry or asked for forgiveness, but guess what? I still love them, and they never have to ask for forgiveness because in my heart I forgive them anyway. That's what that takes. How are you going to know how to do that if you don't love God and love yourself? You'll never be able to do it. And the issue is, you're going to have relationships. So, I'll say to you this. Best way is to start with God. And then look at yourself. Do I know the Lord? Have I been changed? And do I love myself? I'm talking about the flesh. But I'm talking about that new creation, that new creature, that beautiful thing that God made you. I'll just leave you with this. There's a whole lot of notes left on the table, but I just believe God wants us to understand this this morning. You, I'm talking to you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God made you, he broke the mold. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And all of your accomplishments would be there. He loves you. He made you. He formed you. He knew all of the failures you would have. He knew all the things you would do wrong, all the things you would say, all the boneheaded moves you would make. He knew all that. He says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb, he told the great prophet Jeremiah. And he knew you too. And he still loves you unconditionally. We have to realize that, for if we don't realize that, we'll not be able to relate to anyone else. Amen?